1520, Martin Luther dedicated a book, The Freedom of a Christian, to Pope Leo X. And, and Luther praised Pope Leo's service uh, to, to the poor, and uh, he praised him for his godly reputation. But Luther expressed concern that in spite of Leo's great wealth and power and family heritage, he was a leader of, of, of the Catholic Church at that point, that he was enslaved without Christ. And so Luther is touching on the very issue at the heart of Galatians. One can be religious. One can be devout. One, one can jump through the hoops and perform rituals and do all the things that they think God wants them to do and yet miss the gospel entirely. And Paul's opponents in Galatia were religious and devout. They lived by the law. They lived by all 600 and plus commands of of the Old Testament Mosaic law given to us in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They said, hey, you can trust in Jesus, but to really be righteous, to really be saved, you also have to do these things. You have to be circumcised. You have to eat this and not eat this. You have to do all of these things. You essentially have to become Jewish to be saved, to become a child of God, an heir of Abraham's promise. But what they failed to realize is that, as Paul has said, no one can uphold the law perfectly. The law condemns us. The law proves us to be guilty so that we may move to a savior, move to something to save us, that we can't live up to its standards. They failed to understand that by trying to to find their righteousness in the law, they were actually becoming enslaved to it, to the law, to sin and death. Paul has declared throughout this entire book, it is through faith, through faith, through faith that one is saved. It is through faith that one finds freedom from from the burden of the law. It's through faith. It's through faith that we are no longer enslaved, that we are justified, redeemed, and saved. And so we are either enslaved or we are either free. We're either enslaved or we're free. Which one are you? How do you really view yourself? And we'll talk about maybe how to diagnose that a little bit but later. But do you see yourself, man, I just, just sin, it's hard, I struggle, I do these things. Do you see yourself as more of a slave to sin or do you see yourself as free in Christ? It's a fundamental question to ask yourself because because who you are, your identity, how you view yourself will affect everything. It'll affect how you treat people. It'll affect what you do. It'll affect how you think. It'll affect how you deal with with sin and then the struggles and, and, and the habits and hurts in your life. Who we are, our identity will always affect our actions. So turn to 421 again, where we're going to be. Galatians 421. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? Now, the term the law was used to reference different things. And and again, this is going to be somewhat of a confusing passage. And so just follow along with me and we'll unpack it. By the time we're done, you'll be like, okay. But, But Paul's, the law can be used to the Mosaic law. That's how he's been using the law. But the law can also be, you know, the entirety of the Old Testament. 
And Paul is using it in both ways here in 421. He says, you want to live by the Mosaic law. Do you understand what scripture says? Do you actually understand what the Bible says here? Look at verse 22. For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other the free woman. And so this is back in Genesis 22. Genesis actually 12 and 15, all in Genesis. God revealed himself to Abraham. He promised to give him an heir, a son through his wife, Sarah, land, as many descendants as their stars in the skies. And, and we know, looking back, that all of the blessings of salvation, we know that the gospel is tied back and points us back to this, this, this promise. So it's all the blessings of salvation, presence with God to be his children. God was going to give him an heir and work through that heir to bless him and make him a great nation that me and you are, are a part of today if we've trusted in Christ. Here's the problem. Abraham was old. Now, some of you are like, I remember thinking 40 was old. I remember my dad's birthday. He turned 40, and I was like, you are done. Like, you, but Abraham was old, old. Not of childbearing age. And his wife, Sarah, was barren. His wife, Sarah, was barren. And so after watching a few episodes of Jerry Springer, Sarah said, hey, why don't we take hold of this promise this way? Why don't, why don't you take my slave woman, Hagar, my maidservant, and, and sleep and be with her? And that way we can have a child and this promise can come true. Well, 14 years later, so, well, actually that happens. Hagar uh, conceives a child. His name is Ishmael. And so that child is born. Well, 14 years later, God fulfills his promise to Sarah. And Abraham's old, old. I mean, he's like coughing up dust, old. But the Lord did for Sarah, the free woman, what he'd promised. She became present, or she became pregnant and bore a son, Isaac. So you have Ishmael and Hagar, and you have Isaac and Sarah. Look at verse 23. His son by the slave woman, underline this, was born according to to the flesh. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of the divine promise. Underline that. We see a contrast here. Ishmael was born according to the flesh. Now this is not just about, when he says flesh, he's not talking about just simple biology or, or the birds and the bees. This is flesh in a negative biblical sense. It's He was born according to human desires and human effort that is often tainted by sin. Abraham and Sarah did not trust God. They did not trust that God would fulfill his promises. And so they tried to inherit the promise of God through their own efforts. Isaac was born as a result of the promise. Sarah was not capable of conceiving children. But God supernaturally worked to fulfill his promise through her. So Paul is, Paul is contrasting the way these two women conceived. One pastor noted the conception of Ishmael represents man's way, the way of the flesh. Whereas that of Isaac represents God's way, the way of a promise. And a promise is received by faith. 
The first way is the way of religious self-effort and works righteousness. The second way is the way of faith and God's imputed righteousness. Ishmael symbolizes those who trust in their own works. Isaac symbolizes those who've had a spiritual birth because they've trusted in the work of Jesus. Now follow me to verse 24. These things are to be taken figuratively. Now Paul, when these things happened in the Old Testament, Paul is not saying this is what they mean. He's just using Hagar and Sarah as an illustration to make a point. He says, these things are to be taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. So just a bit of context to see what Paul's doing. What Paul is doing is offensive to his opponents. His opponents would have claimed that they descended from Sarah. They descended from Isaac. They descended from Jacob. It was them who received the law that gave life. And if you wanted to have life with God, you had to obey the law. But, but we, we're, we're, the, we're the children of God. We're heirs of Abraham's promise. We have the law. But what Paul is doing is he's subverting this. Who is he aligning Hagar with? Look at what he's doing with Hagar. Hagar corresponds to Mount Sinai. What happened at Mount Sinai? This is where the Mosaic law was given to Moses. It was a covenant of works. A covenant is how God interacts with people. It's a certain relationship that God establishes with people. Hagar corresponds to this, this covenant of works given to Moses. Hagar corresponds to the present Jerusalem, which at this time is full of people who made the law a means of salvation. Therefore, they were in slavery. So anyone... I want you to hear me. There's been a lot of history. But anyone trying to gain freedom from condemnation through obeying all of God's commands is a spiritual child of Hagar. And they are enslaved. You're enslaved to the law. You're enslaved to sin. You're enslaved to death. Now, verse 26, and then we'll kind of unpack some of this stuff. Verse 26, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. If Hagar is associated with self-effort, law adherence, the earthly Jerusalem and enslavement, then Sarah is associated with those who live by faith in God's promises given to Abraham and fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Sarah is associated with the heavenly Jerusalem, the true people of God. And Sarah's spiritual children are free from the burden and bondage of, of the law. So one represents a covenant of, of law and works, which leads to slavery. Another represents a covenant of, of grace and faith, which brings about freedom. And you get this weird verse in 27. Again, this is one of those where it's like, what's going on here? 
For it's written, be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child, shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. This is God actually talking to Israel in Isaiah 54, 1. Israel is in captivity. They want to go back to Jerusalem. They want to be uh, where God said they would be, and they're barren. They're barren. Their numbers aren't great. And God promises to work through a barren and exiled Israel and, and to rebuild them and to repopulate Jerusalem. That's the context of Isaiah 54. And so Paul is saying the true heavenly Jerusalem is now being filled, not, not through human effort or law adherence, but, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So he's like, you, you know, speaking of Jerusalem, it's being populated right now. So you step back. This is a lot. That was like a fire hose of, of different theology and history and things like that. There are two types of people. There are two types of people. There, there are people who cut their sandwich like vertically like that. And then there are people who cut it diagonally. Now, if you cut it diagonally, you're smarter. It's a lot easier to get, get, get to the good stuff. You have less crust angles to deal with. There are, there are people who say pecan pie. Bunch of weirdos. And there are people who say pecan pie. There are people, we call them nerds, who use bookmarks and books. And then there are people, you know, us rebels, we bend the pages. Even if it's a library book. I mean, we're just, we're, we're that crazy. Like, like hell's angels over here. <laughs> bending. There are spiritual descendants of Hagar, enslaved. And there are spiritual descendants of Sarah, people who are free. And Paul wants the Galatians to know who they are. Do you? Do you know who you are? Better question, do you live like you know who you are? Look at verse 28. Paul is saying this to the Galatians who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who are being tempted to go back to the law. He says this to them. 28, now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of the promise at that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It's the same now, but what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. You, like Isaac, are children of Sarah, a recipient of the promise. If you in this room, it's crazy to think about. You are a spiritual descendant of Sarah. You have been incorporated into God's family. You will receive the inheritance that was promised to Abraham. All of salvation, all of the blessings will inherit the new heavens and the new earth will be with God forever. We have been born of the spirit, it says here. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it was not because you said, oh man, I really think I, it was because the spirit came and worked in your life, opened up your heart and beckoned you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have been born 
of the Spirit. You are a children of a child of the promise. Your birth was supernatural, a work of the Spirit. You are a free child of the promise, born from the Spirit. It says, just as Ishmael persecuted Isaac in Genesis 29, those who hold to a system of works, those who hold to a system of morality to impress God, those people will always persecute individuals who are living by grace. One pastor said, Ishmael's will always persecute Isaac's. You know what the biggest threat to Christianity is? It's not atheism. It's other religions. Religious people hate the gospel. People who who believe that their effort, what they do, all the rituals, all the, you know, I I, I do this, I do this, I got a checkbox, I do all these things. If you believe that, you hate the gospel of grace. It's offensive because what we're essentially saying is, hey man, all that hard work, all that effort, all those rituals you do, the performance, man, all of those things really don't amount to much. They will not save you. If you look at the the top countries that persecute Christians, I mean, it's all religion-based, that persecution. Now, you may not be persecuted and tortured physically here, but people who hold to a works righteousness will always, will always make you feel like the gospel of grace is cheap. And they will attempt to put you back under a yoke of slavery. Well, you really need to do this. 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 Then God will, will be happy with you. Look at verse 431. Therefore, brothers and sisters... We are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Who you are, (laughs) we'll come back to this, it affects what you do. You are a free child of the promise, born from the Spirit. Live like it. Live like it. Don't go back into the yoke of slavery. Do you know within three years of of their release, two out of three former prisoners are arrested again. Half of them are incarcerated again. We've been free. Yet we move back towards spiritual incarceration when we start to believe that there's a limit to God's grace. Or God's blessings are only for those who are obedient. Or that he's going to love you more if you obey more. None of us are going to pick up the Old Testament and go, okay, I got to live like a Jew did 2,000 years ago and I need to start eating like this and doing this. Most of us in this room aren't going to put on that yoke of slavery, but we will move towards slavery when we start to think a certain way. If you, if you regularly experience condemnation and you don't speak to that, you don't speak truth to that, you're kind of walking yourself back into the cell. Now, there's, there's regret over sin, but if, if repentance and confession doesn't alleviate that shame, you may be walking back into slavery. Well, I gotta, 
I got to beat myself up to, to make up for what God is lacking. I mean, if you say, man, uh, I got I to gotta work, I got to do this, I got to do this to, be, to, to make God uh, think much of me, man, uh, I, I, really, I really get scared when I start to think that way because it means I'm moving back into slavery. I mean, if the gospel no longer brings you joy, I mean, if, you, if you're, like, you're never moved by the gospel, man, God has got to save me. God has paid for my sin. If that doesn't move you to some sense of joy from, from time to time, you may be living in legalism. And, and f- fight, fight for your freedom. Daily, fight, fight for your freedom. So, some of you have that dog where... You don't walk the dog. The dog walks you, correct? Does anybody have a dog like that where you're being, you know, getting drunk? Those, I never had the dog that kind of, you know, real nice. And, and some of you just have that dog. The dog's like, but it's still, uh, it's still just uh, going. It doesn't care. It's fighting you. What, what happens when you, when, you, when you let that leash, you take that leash off that dog? What, what normally happens with that dog? They just, just jet. They're free, man. You are free. You have been unleashed from the burden and the bondage of the law. And some of us sit there and just we, we just don't know what to do. And we act like we're still leashed up. We're still enslaved. And we have been freed. And this freedom, it's, 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 it's complex. It's multifaceted. But we've been freed from the burden of living under the law. You are not required to perform in front of God to get him to love you. You are not required to be good enough. You are not required to begrudgingly serve, worship, and give to make yourself acceptable to God. Now, you see people do these things here, but we do those things because our motives have changed. We obey God, serve God. We do these things out of love, with joy, and in the freedom and peace of knowing that that our relationship with him will never change. You have been freed from the guilt of sin. You've been freed from the guilt of sin of past, present, and future. God has paid for your sin. Some of you need to stop and just rest there. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you are in Christ, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never lose you. He will never abandon you. His stance towards you is one of favor and love and mercy and grace. You have been freed from the guilt of sin. And finally, you've been freed from the power of sin. You've been freed from the power of sin. You're going to mess up but you can actually overcome in this life. You can grow in Christ's likeness and be the person God has called you to to be. Some of us, we look at the things we struggle with and we just act like we're defeated. I can't do anything about it. I know I'm gonna do it. I just might as well do it. 
I'll try to start on Monday to be good. I just, I can't, I can't help but do it. We have been indwelt with the Spirit. We're, we're whole new creations. Sin no longer has dominion over us. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we can taste victory in this life. There can be things that we struggle with today that 10 years from now, we can look back on and say, man, God has rescued me from that. I, I can fall again, but God has rescued me from that thing. You've, just been, you've been freed. You've been freed to become the person he's called you to be. Tim Keller in his book, Getting Out, said, years ago when I was trying to understand this, I read sermons by David Martin Lloyd-Jones on Romans 6. And he said a particular illustration was illuminating. Imagine, Lloyd-Jones said, that you were a slave in the southern United States before the Emancipation Proclamation. That means that you couldn't vote, you had no power, and somebody could beat you up and probably kill you. You didn't have rights. So if you were in a town and some white person told you to do this or that and was abusive to you, you're probably frightened and, and you would do anything that they said. Now it's 10 years later and the Emancipation Proclamation has been issued. You have rights, but you walk into town and a white person starts to yell at you. Even though you know with your head, hey, I have some rights here, you're still scared and acting like a slave. This is the plight of, of many Christians. We know who we are, but that truth really doesn't align with our hearts and our actions. May you this week understand in all its richness that you are no longer a slave. You are a spiritual descendant of the free woman who lives by faith, rests in grace, and is empowered by the Spirit to walk in that freedom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.